It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. Yeah, the president sounded like he's concerned about it, but no specifics, no change in policy. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. Mississippi and Louisiana are consumed with flooding, collapsed buildings, and millions of people without power across the states from Hurricane Ida. Louisiana's Governor John Bell Edwards stated that this could be the most powerful hurricane to ever hit the state, probably in more than 160 years. Also, in Afghanistan, the nightmare continues on the ground as hundreds of Americans, American citizens, cannot get to the airport in Kabul. President Biden's deadline is rapidly approaching. Tuesday, August 31st at 3.29 p.m. Eastern Time is the deadline uh, for all U.S. troops to be out of Afghanistan. If it stands to be true, it will mark the first time in nearly 20 years that no U.S. troops will be on the ground in that country. For this and more, we'll bring in our panel, former State Department spokesperson and senior advisor to the Scowcroft Center at the Atlantic Council, Morgan Ortegas, Democratic strategist, syndicated talk radio host, Leslie Marshall, and political editor at the National Journal, Josh Kraschauer. Josh, when we look at Afghanistan, as the days go on here towards this deadline, the administration increasingly has a tough time explaining leaving whatever the number is, you know, if it's 350, 250, hundreds, let's say, of Americans unable to get to the airport and out. Uh, it's it's just a tough situation as U.S. troops get ready to pack up and leave. Yeah, Brett, there's been quite a bit of over-promising and under-delivering. We, we heard the president himself, his top cabinet secretaries, Tony Blinken and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, last week pledging that every American who wanted to get out of Afghanistan would be able to get out of Afghanistan. That's looking less and less likely by by the hour as we start to wrap up our our mission. That pledge is no longer operative. And, you know, it's part and parcel of of, of what what the Biden administration has been facing, the big problem that they've been facing, which is one of both competence and credibility. Uh, The evacuation, uh, they have gotten up about 110,000 Afghans and Americans who were stuck in Afghanistan into the planes, evacuated. But... Their, you know, the the, the awful uh, suicide bombing that killed 14 Marines, uh, 200 plus Afghans, and just the the total chaos uh, in, in, in executing this withdrawal has really damaged the administration politically. And they've also lost a lot of credibility, making promises like there's no Al Qaeda left in Afghanistan, as Biden said a couple weeks ago. The the notion that they would get every American who wanted to leave out of the country that doesn't seem like that's going to be met. Um, this has been more spin than actual ex- results in the execution. And it's going to be a, be a political problem going forward. It's really a, 
a difficult situation and one in which the mm-hmm. Secretary of State is saying that um, they're still pledging to get those Americans out somehow with leverage on the Taliban, but the, t- the leverage seems like it's pretty thin. Yeah, and we think that there'll probably be um, at least a couple hundred Americans that are that are still there. Those numbers have been fluctuating, but I can tell you anecdotally, Brett, that I'm still getting uh, emails and texts and phone calls from people trying to help American citizens and green card holders uh, who are still trying to get out. So I know that that is still happening. Uh, when you look at the broader picture uh, as it relates to not only American citizens, we still have again, don't know the exact number, but we're also going to have thousands, if not tens of thousands of Afghan allies who are left behind as well. Um, and so the United Nations today has has voted and it's called on uh, opening the, the Kabul airport. You're, you're seeing a lot of condemnations and a lot of people asking uh, the Taliban very nicely to open the airport and to let American citizens out. And it just doesn't reflect the reality on the ground that so many of us are hearing. I think the leverage that he's referring to is economic leverage. We obviously know that there's about, um, we estimate about nine and a half billion um, that the government of Afghanistan had in reserves in the United States. I'm sure they want access to that money. That'll be a big political fight. There was also about roughly $6 billion um, that was allocated by the Congress to the Afghan National Army and to their police force. What happens to that money as well? I know you cover these sorts of things um, extensively, Brett, and that's the kind of questions. I mean, we're talking about billions of dollars here uh, on the line, and perhaps that's what the National Security Advisor was referring to as leverage. Leslie, it definitely has taken its toll on the Biden administration and this president. Oh, oh, without question. And I would agree with Morgan on money. I mean, they're not going to Taliban is not going to be funded 100 percent by the money that we see coming from countries like Kuwait, uh, Qatar, uh, Bahrain um, or uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, look, uh, you know, there are people out there, of course, uh, left and right that, uh, that feel Biden owns this. Some people are tweeting today. No, it, you don't own it when you come up in the 10th inning and you have a a nine inning loss. And a lot of people are saying, look, if you want to look at this as win or loss, we lost this war when we failed to eliminate Al Qaeda uh, years ago. And we turned our attention toward Iraq and away from Afghanistan, 20 years of bad decisions. Politically, though, Brett, I must say, regardless of the polls and, uh, you know, people on, you know, my side of the aisle, you know, myself included, who have said, look, you know, this seems to be a mess. There are a few things. One, there is no one that is going to change their vote over this. And and this is why I say it. Republicans aren't going to say, well, I was going to vote for Joe Biden, except for that Kabul situation. I, I mean, we are extremely polarized. And the people that criticize this administration and criticize the president over the handling of this also can recognize that whether this was a Democrat or Republican office, nobody is clairvoyant and has a crystal ball and could have foreseen uh, the uh, president uh, fleeing the Taliban uh, coming up and taking over as fast as they did. And logistically, uh, we need to commend those when you look at now 122,000 people that have been uh, airlifted out, because that is a logistical feat. Uh, It's terrible to think of any Americans being left behind. Apparently, all American troops are going to be getting out tomorrow. Um, But I I don't think when you have other things on his plate and you see high numbers with his handling of COVID and now we see uh, the storms. Uh, coming through, I know that we're going to talk about a bit later. Uh, um, you know, right now it, it's di- it's a ding in the armor of the administration, but I don't think in the long haul 
uh, this is going to take down uh, President you know, uh, Biden. There may be some seats that, quite frankly, are lost, not just because of this, uh, but because of people that look at uh, COVID and perhaps their rights uh, being uh, and their liberty being threatened by uh, mask mandates and uh, you know the conversation regarding vaccines. Uh, but uh, Afghanistan alone, I don't think so. And, and again, I want to add one other thing, Brett, if I may. Mm-hmm. When, when, when you look at um, ju- just how the polls have shifted so fast, look at where Americans were, left or right, uh, with getting out of Afghanistan. Um, you know, in the beginning of this administration, in the Trump administration, Obama administration, even in the Bush administration, and uh, then where we are now. You know, there are people that are angry, and they should be, that we lost uh, military lives, that we lost American human lives. Um, but we, you know, if we if we look at the exact numbers, there are 64 troops that died in the last administration, and more people have died of COVID in the state of Florida in the past two weeks then we have had Americans die in Afghanistan in our in our stay there for, for two decades. So again, I don't think in the long haul this will affect them. Obviously, it is currently. Yeah, a couple of things. One is um, the loss of life. Uh, it, it seems like it didn't have to happen. It seems like just judging by where the military was about Bagram Air Base, where uh, some recommendations were about getting Americans out first before the military stopped supporting the Afghan army with air cover. Um, It seemed like there was a way to do it without what the the chaos that involved uh, at the end. And and when the president talked about it, he said, well, it was impossible to avoid the chaos and it was always going to be like this. And I just have talked to too many people that say it didn't have to be. Um, so it's a credibility issue, number one. Number two, Josh, I wonder whether in the world's eyes it projects weakness. Um, you see North Korea starting up their nuclear reactor at Pyong, at um, um, Beyond, and it seems like there are world actors that are taking a little bit more forceful view in the eyes of Biden foreign policy. Yeah, I think first and foremost is our relationship with our NATO allies. The 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 rift we've now faced we're now facing with Great Britain, which was not informed uh, right away of of what the the Biden administration's intentions were about the timetable. There was a clear lack of communication between Joe Biden and Boris Johnson. Uh, we've had similar rifts with France, with Germany, some of our other NATO allies over this effort. I mean, that that was what Biden promised in his campaign, that he would, compared to Trump, work with our allies, mend over the major rifts that Trump uh, uh, really, really brought to the forefront. And we're, we're seeing, as a result of this withdrawal, this hasty withdrawal, those divisions are coming uh, to become an issue yet again. Not no, not to mention some of the, the growing problems we're having with our enemies. North Korea, you mentioned, Brett, they're now testing our metal. There, there's worry about uh, Taiwan and, and whether China is going to become more belligerent, looking at American withdrawal as a sign that they're not committed to protecting allies across the globe. And we also have Iran, and you have the, the meeting between Biden and the new Israeli prime minister, uh, Naftali Bennett. Uh, there's clear concern in Israel about uh, the, the United States' uh, commitment to, to taking on Iran, making sure they don't get nu- nuclear weapons. So there, this, is, this isn't just about Afghanistan. There's a larger foreign policy context that I think uh, our, both our enemies and our friends are watching closely and making their minds up about the new president. 
You know, I, but I do hear you, Leslie, on the political wins and how much this will have an effect by the time we get to November of 2022. You know, Morgan, the, you know, America seems to operate in chapters and this mm. is a very bad chapter for Joe Biden and his administration. But pretty soon we're going to close this chapter as a country and it's going to if, if history plays a role, we're going to move on to something else. And how much this will factor in politically come November 2022? Well, what we could be moving on to, though, Brett, is a reemergence of Al-Qaeda or of ISIS-K, who just took out 14 members of our military, sadly, last week. So I'm not so sure that we're moving on from Afghanistan as quickly as the Biden administration would like. I've been all around the country in the heartland. Uh, People are incredibly angry. They're especially angry over the loss of the life of of these 14 members because I think they don't, number one, they don't feel that the president was sufficiently empathetic enough over it. Uh, And number two, they just see it as completely unnecessary um, and a a, a total catastrophe of an evacuation that one, we weren't promised. Remember, we were promised that this would be orderly, that it wouldn't be chaotic, that it wouldn't be like Saigon. We were told the exact opposite of what happened. So uh, we also know that Al-Qaeda senior leadership, as as I've noted plenty of times, uh, has safe harbor, lives in Iran. There's reports of, of senior leaders already coming back Uh, to Afghanistan. We'll see if that happens. Um, And again, ISIS-K had a successful attack against us. And the administration keeps touting these over-the-horizon capabilities. That's fantastic. But as somebody who's been in the intelligence community and a part of counterterrorism for almost 15 years, I can tell you strikes are one piece of the puzzle. They are not the only way in which you are able to destroy or degrade the capabilities of a terrorist organization. So the senior leadership of ISIS-K, despite these strikes, still exists in Afghanistan right now. They have thousands of prisoners that were released, as as we all know, uh, in the last few weeks as the Taliban took over. Uh, Al-Qaeda senior leadership still exists. So as much as we would like to run away from this, I think that what we are going to see is history repeat itself. Unfortunately, I think this is going to look a lot like what 2010 through 2012 looked like for uh, President Obama in Iraq whenever he wanted to have nothing to do with the fact that al-Qaeda in Iraq turned into ISIS and started growing and um you know, doing some pretty horrific beheadings and other things on television. So we may want the war on terrorism to be over. It is not necessarily over just because we say it is. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And and if those images uh, keep coming up about uh, safe haven in Afghanistan for terrorist groups, or if there's another attack, obviously it changes the dynamic uh, greatly, not to mention the images of the treatment of women and what the Taliban does on the ground. We'll hear from our panel after this jason in the house the jason chaffetz podcast dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as i take on american life politics and entertainment subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts um you know they keep on saying the taliban wants some international recognition i mean for decades they they really didn't so Leslie, the hope is that this Taliban is different and suddenly wants to be on the UN Human Rights Council or something. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at that. Yeah, uh, Libya is. I, they yeah. could join Venezuela and Libya. And- uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, sadly, uh, we know 
uh, throughout the world. There are going to be governments that we don't agree with. We sometimes have to work with and we sometimes at war with uh, or not at war, even if we were at odds, North Korea, Iran, Cuba, to name a few, and now Afghanistan. Um, I, you know, as a woman and have spoken to many women in the Muslim community, I think you guys know I'm married to a Muslim. Uh, I lived in Pakistan, not Afghanistan, um, you know, but there certainly are concerns of treatment. However, the Taliban is in a different situation, okay? They're in a different situation because now they're the guys. They're the guys. They're on the throne that they wanted to be. They have the power. They need that money that Morgan and I agreed on, uh, you know, prior. Um, and they're going to need things from the world, not just the United States. You already see some, you know, phone calls going back and forth with China regarding, uh, you know, products, manufacturing, and things like that. Um, and and running a government is different than running a terrorist organization, although some may uh, argue with that. Look, they're going to have to. Because of the shift in some attitudes among the uh, Afghans uh, with regard to women, uh, they're going to have to deal with some things that uh, don't fit in their definition of not moderate Muslims definitions of Sharia law. Uh, You're seeing women on the street who are fearless. And although they they, they say, look, I I know I could get killed for saying this, um, they, they are saying it. The Taliban are also living in the world that we're all living in, in Brett, uh, to a degree, which is that everybody has a phone and everybody's filming everything. Uh, it was different to hear about executions or maybe have somebody with a camera sneak something and everybody's got it out there. And, and you have millennials and you have uh, more women that have been educated. I don't think they're going to have a choice uh, but to have to work with uh, work with women. They are not going to be able to live uh, in the fields, almost like the Bedouins, uh, you know, in 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 Saudi Arabia or in Jordan, um, with their four wives each. If they're killing off all the women, or if all the women are fleeing their country because they can't advance. So, uh, you know, look, some of these Taliban members obviously are not the most educated, um, and uh, there are some, surprisingly, that are. Uh, they are going to have to change the way they respond as leaders politically uh, than they did as terrorists if they want things from governments like the United States and, quite frankly, from their people, especially women. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and we'll see how that transformation goes. I mean, there's a whole generation of Afghans who grew up without the Taliban and with yep. the promise of women in education, women in jobs, uh, all kinds of things that they they now expect. Let's turn to the hurricane quickly and just do a round on that. And that Hurricane Ida, obviously a Category 4 hitting um, Louisiana and parts of Mississippi, the big storm, if you think 16 years ago, which was 16 years ago Sunday, Hurricane Katrina hits as a Category 3 storm. Um, it stays around for a while and, and causes major problems with the levees and flooding in New Orleans. Um, problems that have largely been fixed, but they're still on the brink in a storm that big. Storms usually provide political um, ammo, if you will, Josh, for a president, a governor uh, who steps in. But they can be double-edged swords, as we saw with Katrina and the Bush administration. Yeah, Brett, this is a real test of competence after a period where Biden has been getting a lot of justifiable criticism about his handling 
of the Afghanistan withdrawal. He now has another crisis domestically, affects a whole lot of uh, Americans down in Louisiana, Mississippi, anyone in the hurricane's path. Uh, this is an opportunity for him to show competence, credibility to, um, you know, this may not be quite as damaging as Katrina because of the utter failure of the levees back back in New Orleans in, in 2005. But it looks like there's an awful lot of damage down on the Gulf Coast. So getting the money out quickly, making sure the residents uh, get their electricity back on or at least supporting the, the governor and the local officials in doing so. That's going to be a big, big challenge for, for this administration. And, you know, it, it is reminiscent of 2005. Uh, that, was, that was when Bush's second term fell apart, not just because of Katrina, that was the precipitating factor, but you also had the Iraq uh, war going, going awry during that same time period. I think this could be a moment, a pivot point, if you will, where Biden could get things back on track, focusing domestically, helping the country recover from, uh, from this hurricane. Or it could be, if he doesn't handle it effectively, it could be a double whammy and really uh, set, set his... Uh, is his, his first year in something of a political tailspin. Yeah. Messaging. Obviously they're, they're hungry Morgan to turn the page um, on talking about Afghanistan every day. You saw the president go out um, in a hurricane kind of briefing, opened it up for questions. And there was a question about Afghanistan and he didn't want to take it. He walked away. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's interesting to watch how this administration deals with uh, tough messaging platforms. Yeah, they have got to do something for Joe Biden to get his mojo back. Uh, it's just not the Joe Biden um, that I have observed and probably the Joe Biden you've covered, Brett, uh, most of mm -hmm. our careers. Um, and, and that exact moment that you're talking about, um, uh, listen, I understand how frustrating it is. I can't tell you how many times I was at the podium or Mike Pompeo uh, was at the podium or in interviews, and you want to talk about the things that that you think uh, are really important and timely and and uh, the news of the day, things things overtake what you want the agenda to be. But whenever you have 14 dead Americans, when you have a catastrophe of this nature, you can't you can't walk away from questions, no matter how much you want to turn the page. It just reinforces this image that the American people have in their mind over the past few weeks of the president uh, being callous um, and lacking empathy for for the plight of so many Americans so, and so many Afghans. And so, as frustrating as it is. Even if you want to talk about the hurricane, which we should, a lot of Americans are being affected by that hurricane for sure. You can't just turn your back on the tough questions because that is one of the key competencies uh, that we require of any president to be able to handle multiple crises at the same time. Mm -hmm. And lastly, Leslie, I mean, we talked about politics at the beginning, but can you see the Republicans pitch now forming, which is incompetence in Afghanistan getting out? crime on the streets of big cities, an open border with illegal immigrants flying, flying through, and mask mandates for your kids in school. Can you see that, that recipe for Republicans working in suburbs or a number of places across the country? Oh, absolutely. In places where there are Democrats that uh, won in, uh, you know, districts that also went for Trump. Abs absolutely. We've already seen that before Afghanistan forming. And those are actually the top three that you mentioned, Brett, you know, the, the masks, the crime, uh, immigration, and now they have another one uh, to put, you know, the feather into the cap of. Um, I will say, though, 
I, you know, when you look at just the approval rating of COVID and when you look at what's happening in this hurricane, let's just break down a couple of things. Uh, the, the president and this administration have responded very quickly. They will get the money out. They already have over 5,200 National Guard deployed to Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas and Alabama. Uh, but, you know, when you talk about politically, you had mentioned at the opening very, you know, accurately, Brett, uh, people are going to look at their governors. They're going to look at, you know, state offices, but they are going to look at their representatives and they are going to look at the hospitals and the ventilators that that could not operate when the power went out. And why were there so many people on ventilators? Because what was the messaging behind masks? What was the messaging uh, behind uh, vaccinations? And, and Republicans, I mean, you were seeing it with uh, DeSantis and Florida. And, and Abbott in Texas as well. Republicans aren't, you know, going to, you know, do so well. Look, in my state, we have a recall election. We'll have to see what happens with the, the governor. I'm, I'm confident he will pull through, not in the numbers I'd like to see. My husband, as you know, uh, is an orthopedic surgeon. He is on hold with organizations like Doctors Without Border Borders. It was Haiti. Now everybody's looking to uh, Louisiana and there's other uh, Gulf uh, states. You have over a million people uh, without uh, power uh, and you have uh, FEMA, you know, re- really reacting quickly. The administrator says this is not going to be a quick uh, recovery. And and then we also have other things that are affected that, you know, definitely are more on the back burner, but they're affected not just with jobs and money, but our lives, more than 95% of oil production in the Gulf is shut down as a result uh, of this storm. I think Joe Biden is going to do very well uh, when we look uh, in the weeks ahead with numbers and approval rating. Uh, by the majority of Americans with the hurricane. I think it'll be more in the wind column, if you will, if you're looking at numbers uh, in his handling of this, uh, like COVID. And I think that, quite frankly, will help him and offset some of those uh, negative views and uh, ratings with Afghanistan. Yeah, we'll see. We've got a long time before November 2022, but pretty quick to September 14th. So you wonder the fallout for Gavin Newsom in California, too. Um, Fascinating. As always, here's a bit of American history. On August 30th, 1967, Thurgood Marshall became the first African-American to be confirmed as a Supreme Court. He would remain on the high court for 24 years before retiring for health reasons, leaving a legacy of upholding the rights of the individual as guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Morgan, Leslie, and Josh, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.